your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm your host alongside James Fox. We are on the Broadcast Basement Network. Thanks so much, Chris Lanuti. If you're new here, we release multiple episodes a week. On the Future Socks podcast, we implore you to subscribe, comment, leave us a review. We do individual player interviews. Elijah Evans has plenty on tap for you. Jake Peppers is the latest. Also talk to Jacob Burt. Uh, Seth Keener is another player that Elijah talked to, and there's more coming. So a lot of insight on the prospects from you know their perspective, which is really fun. And then on Fridays, we also do the Future Socks Roundup, which we take a more in-depth look on individual performances and storylines across the organization. Right now, you are listening to the Future Sox podcast, which we release on Tuesdays. James Fox is back. We're talking changes because we're focusing in on what Chris Getz wants to do, is doing, and trying to anticipate some of the plans that the White Sox are going to undertake as the offseason gets cooking. And of course, 2024, we're looking ahead to next season. A lot to get to today outside of just that. We're talking Instructs roster. That's players participating in sort of a controlled environment under the watchful eyes of White Sox instructors. So that'll be uh, something that we want to monitor as well because a lot of key young first-year players are going to be involved. Uh, Also, we have some draft information and Arizona Fall League performances. So we'll get to all of it. First, let's discuss some of the changes already, James, that are being made within the organization. So there's a few things that we should start with. Uh, reported, Jose Castro and Daryl Boston out. Jose Castro hitting coach, Daryl Boston, longtime outfield and first base coach. He's out. Kurt Hassler, he's been in the organization since 1987. Draft pick, moved on to a role uh, evaluating minor league talent and then got promoted to uh, bullpen coach in 2017. He is being reassigned. And Chris Johnson, who was the hitting coach in Charlotte last year, well, I guess two years ago, right? What, however you want to perceive last year. But in 2023, Chris Johnson was promoted to the big league club as the assistant hitting coach. He will also be reassigned. So Chris gets doing some things. And we also learned that Andy Barquette is out of the organization. He is no longer with the Chicago White Sox. And we'll detail that move a little bit more because it has a lot to do with what's been made already following all the front office hires that Chris Getz had already done. So James, there's a lot there already. Uh, First and foremost, let's begin with Jose Castro, the hitting coach being uh, moved uh, out of the organization after just one season. This one kind of hit me hard. I think it was disappointing to see, you know, following Steverson and, you know, Frank Menachino, they go to Jose Castro and I was at least looking to hang my hat on something with the Chicago White Sox coaching staff. If they're going to establish some sort of cohesion and consistency and give me a hitting coach that I can buy into. Well, one season of Jose Castro and he's out. What do you make of the move? Well, I mean, I know that there were, I mean, there were some rumors like all year that there were just like conflicting voices, right? Like, but I mean, that's like not 
terribly surprising. Like I feel like like having one hitting coach in 2023 is a little bit crazy anyway. This is something that Chris Lanuti actually talked about on the Sox in the Basement show. You know, where it just seems like, you know, you always hear how much of a psychologist these guys have to be and how it's one of the most difficult jobs in sports. You know, and then you expect like one or two people to coach like 13 or 14 guys. So, you know, I think there were some guys that probably gravitated towards Chris Johnson for some of the data. And there were other guys that that liked, um, you know, Castro. And I think Mike Tozar was around, which which is like probably the more interesting part here. Like Mike Tozar and Pedro Grafol are really good friends. Tozar has been a hitting coach in the past. He does private hitting stuff like down in Miami. Like, I don't know if this just means that they're just going to insert Mike Tozar it's hitting coach. And maybe these other guys like weren't necessarily Griffel hires from the beginning. They were maybe like foisted upon him by Rick Hahn and Ken Williams. I don't really know. I mean, like the offense was atrocious. How much of that is like up to the hitting coach? I don't know, but it does seem like, you know, just organizational change in general from Chris Getz with the Barquette move too, which like is a little bit disheartening, right? I think some of the stuff that, um, Andy Barquette was doing in the minor leagues, I thought was, was pretty good. And, you know, for anybody that wants some more information there, Ian Eskridge, our buddy over at White Sox Daily, um, did an interview with Andy. So, you know, please check for, check that out and look for it. You know, I, we talked a little bit pre-show Mike, like I, I'm just curious to see if Chris gets now hires like the Brian Bannister version, like for hitting, and they have this like overarching like hitting philosophy that'll be top down. And then you hire a, a, a coordinator and, and go from there essentially. So obviously like lots of changes coming um, to the hitting side. The other stuff, I think not terribly surprising. Kurt Hassler has been in the organization for a long time. I mean, with the hire of Brian Bannister, my guess, my guess is, you know, him and, or he and uh, Ethan Katz, you know, just bring somebody else in there as like the bullpen coach, assistant pitching coach. There might be some other names in there as well. I know Matt Zaleski's very well thought of. Maybe he moves into that coordinator role. Who knows? I think we'll 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 hear some of this stuff, I think, throughout the month of October. And then Debo, Daryl Boston, you know, I I think there were a lot of people that kind of thought he wouldn't make it on to Pedro Grafol's staff in the first place. He's one of the the Kenny Williams hanger-ons like we've kind of t- alluded to um, on previous shows, and he won't be the last one. But, I mean, look, the outfield defense has not been great for a long time. And, you know, I, I guess I had heard that Boston provided comic relief and stuff, and he got along with the players. But, I mean, if you're Pedro Grafol at this point and, like, Chris Getz, like, there, there's really no reason to have – Daryl Boston around anymore. So yeah, they'll be, they'll be looking for an outfield instructor and first base coach, but yeah, I mean, these are just, you know, I, it's, it's some of the stuff that bad teams do, but some of the, the things that I were, was looking for is just, you know, org philosophy type stuff, right? Like I, I was really happy with the banister hire. If they can do something on the hitting side, then, then this stuff will make like a little bit more sense, I would think. And we should have some clarity on it. I would think by the end of the month, and again, just to go over it, Brian Bannister, senior advisor to pitching. Gene Watson, director of player personnel, came over from the Royals. Uh, Josh Barfield, assistant general manager, former Diamondbacks director of player development. Uh, Barfield and Getz, similar timelines in their career in the front office. Of course, uh, playing time as well. So 
uh, kind of like-minded in that regard. And I was encouraged to hear Josh Barfield when he spoke to the media, kind of had some of the things that I was expecting him to say, be said, uh, in terms of just having a, a fresh look, a modern look, just a kind of a newer approach to going about building an organization, not saying that he's going to revolutionize the game. It's just, he's kind of accelerating the timeline a little bit and uh, getting the talent to the modern era. And when I say modern era, it's, you know, it's not like the White Sox are in the stone age. It's more of expanding the front office, expanding resources to catch up to some of the other teams and utilizing the advantages that are being uh, had around the league that the White Sox just don't either dedicate enough eyes or personnel to, or just flat out don't feel like doing it. So, I mean, that's just a minor detail. All of these things kind of play into how the White Sox can become a winning organization. Uh, all that being said, you know, the Chris Johnson, Kurt Hassler reassignments, I thought were a little bit noteworthy. The Daryl Boston boot, it, it was it was a long time coming. Uh, the Jose Castro thing, just disappointing considering it's just one and done and the hitting coaches have filtered in and out of Chicago. And I think something that should also be mentioned too is what Chris Getz wants in his players, James, like what the type of team that the White Sox are going to be to compete. I'd love to throw it to you here because if you're trying to win in today's baseball game, Chris Getz is pushing for athleticism, players who can play multiple positions, who are you know fast on their feet, uh, ball and play type mentality. I just wonder if that is sort of where the game is headed now. And if you think that just in general, that philosophy is a successful formula. Yeah, I think so. I think like power pitching and athletes is like a tale as old as time, right? And it goes back to like your your 90s Braves and, um, you know, that's where Dayton Moore came from. So it's, you know, it's kind of is yeah. like what he what he like attempted to bring to the Royals, like with Gene Watson. Look, I mean, it, it sounds good, right? But like athletic players that can do lots of things are expensive so you know they're probably going to have to draft and develop them and possibly trade for them I mean they have one in center field obviously everybody's hoping that they have one coming at shortstop who we'll probably get into a little bit here but mm -hmm. yeah no I mean I get it right I think you know it sounds good that maybe they want to go away from just like some of the redundancies and go back to you know ha have some positional versatility instead of just you know trying to find bats that all play the same positions essentially but i mean this is it's it's going to take a little bit like it like i'm sure chris getz does have a vision but you know you're you're using the pocketbook of of jerry reinsdorf with a system that is improved as we've talked about it's like a middle of the pack system but it's not loaded with like close to the big leagues position players by any means right so that's yeah that's that's one of the issues. And so I think this is like a fascinating off season with, you know, Chris Getz and Gene Watson and all these new lieutenants, like kind of leading the charge. I don't, I don't expect them to be really married to anyone, but that doesn't mean that they can just like turn around and like trade these underachieving guys and get guys yeah. that are good, good and better. Right. It's like, Oh, get rid of these guys and get new guys. It's like, okay, that, that mm -hmm. sounds wonderful, but you know, like in the case of like an Aloy Jimenez, right? Like you, you might be better off like keeping Aloy Jimenez and just making him your DH if you're not going to get, you know, like good stuff in return for him. And I just, you know, as these guys get more expensive, 
you know, I think it's just like less likely that you're going to get like the returns that some people are perceiving that you're going to get. So, yep, just right. like another layer of what should be a pretty interesting offseason, I think, just because it's going to be different. Yeah, I think there there needs to be more, more time. There needs to be more talent put into the farm system. I think it's clear that the direction is to bank on the farm system's development. Shout out Mike Shirley. Uh, in reference to what we were talking about regarding Chris Getz's philosophy, uh, it comes from an article written by Scott Merkin. And a couple of quotes I want to throw you, and then we can move on to some instructs in Arizona Fall League stuff. He told Merck, there isn't an obvious recipe to regain an edge. There's professionalism, there's loyalty, there's execution. Those are the three big pillars I often point to. So professionalism, loyalty, execution. Okay. Now, when it comes to adding to what's on the field, they're looking to be more athletic. He says, we're a team that needs to get more athletic. We've seen some of the base running that's been frustrating, whether that be related to effort or the ability to actually take the extra base all things that are being evaluated most likely need to be adjusted. So there's just a little bit behind the mind. It's going to be telling on some of the moves that he decides to make in 24, because it does tell us more about the long-term plans. So when it comes to front office stuff, how exciting is this? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a White Sox fan, what else can you be asking for? Us talking about front office hires and speculating about the future, not even excited about 2024, just looking ahead to maybe possibly being good in 2025. And I think the conversation leads exactly to where we're headed. And that's the Instructs roster. Arizona uh, White Sox have graciously provided information about some of the players who are going to be in Instructs. And we'd like to talk about them because it's important to recognize that guys who are in their first season, period, their draft season, um, get more experience. You know, they play either high school or a long college season, short time maybe in professional baseball, sing, like full season, single A. But most of these guys are getting time in the Arizona Complex League, and there's a lot of them. You add on just a little bit more in a controlled environment to their seasons, it allows them to get a head start onto their professional careers, considering it's a little test trial. They're learning what it means to be a professional, get into the off season on a program provided by the organization, along with individual trainers, right? I mean, organizations, I'm sure communicate with the players and the players tell them who they're working with in the off season, but there is a design in which the organization wants to uh, have a player follow a specific formula in order to get their body in the shape that they believe is most advantageous. And as we look at some of these names, James, you know, Jake Eater is participating in the Arizona Fall League, but it looks like he's going to be maybe involved in instructs. But others include uh, Matthias Lacombe, uh, a fun name to mention. Jake Peppers is also going to be there. I encourage you to listen to the interview done by Elijah Evans as that is released already on the Future Sox Podcast Network. Christian Opper, we consider him a prep pitch, but a one-year Juco player. Uh, just uh, some of those pitchers, James. Uh, uh, let's stick with the pitchers first before we move on to some of the position players that you're looking forward to covering in Instructs. Uh, anybody that jumps out to you in terms of uh, the arms that are participating. Norhe Vera, too. I want to mention him. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think, like, obviously the most interesting name there is is Noah Schultz, you know, who everybody kind of talked about. I, I don't know you know, how much he's pitched out there. There hasn't been like a, a ton of video or anything of instructional league, but like he's definitely on the roster. 
Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Jake Eater was listed on the roster just because he left Birmingham early and pitched in Arizona. I'm guessing some um, in instructs before heading out to the Arizona Fall League. So he's so he'll actually throw in the Arizona Fall League um, on the 10th, which is you know today as this as this podcast releases. Um, so yeah, so there's that, and then like it's just like a lot of younger arms you know, that, that are from the, the most recent draft. Zach Franklin was a 10th round reliever, um, out of Missouri. He's there. Anthony Imhoff and, um, Matthias Lacombe were both Juco, um, pitchers that were drafted out of Arizona. Um, I know Matthias Lacombe, you know, he got like basically seventh round money, $450,000 in round 12. So he, he's pretty interesting. Maximo Martinez is there who was acquired from the Dodgers for international bonus pool space. And then like you've, you've talked about Christian Apoor, Jake Peppers, who, you know, Elijah talked to. Yeah. So th- those are just, you know, some of the names from the recent draft class mostly. And then Norhe Vera is getting a chance to pitch there as well. You know, we kind of talked about how, how important of a year it was for him. And then, you know, it was kind of another lost season for him just with, Lots of injuries, not enough innings. So, but but he's still out there. We'll see how that goes. I'm sure we'll have, you know, we'll have some instructional league reports. It's, you know, a lot of instruct stuff is what Baseball America like bases like some of their preseason rankings on. So, and I know you want to get into some of the position players. One other thing I'll mention, um, you know, like a scout reached out and I I had a couple of questions too, and I also talked to our guy Bill Mitchell you know, from baseball America that hops on just about like the lack of Dominican and Venezuela players, like on this roster, like some of the most recent signings from the DSL. Um, and you could, you know, you could also read my preview on our website or my review, I guess, of the DSL season. So a lot of those young promising hitters that, that we've talked about and discussed are not in Arizona yet, just because, you know, the way that, this is kind of gone with the bonus pools. Most teams are leaving their players in the Dominican Republic since they sign in January. Like they take a really heavy bonus hit like anytime this year. So since it's October, they just leave them in the DSL to get their full bonus. They'll come stateside likely January, February for spring training, my guess is. And, you know, some of these guys who, you know, I've got questions on will be in, minor league spring training in February, and then they'll likely go on to play at Arizona. And look, some of them could even like leap Arizona altogether and end up in Kannapolis. One name I'll mention, you know, is Venezuelan infielder, 17 year old Javier Magoyan. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how you spell it, but 199 plate appearances in 47 games. He hit 10 homers in the DSL, which is significant. 315, 417, 582, the WRC plus of 156. So like Ben Badler has, has -hmm. spoken about him. I've heard, you know, whatever this means, there's buzz on him, you know, like scouts have said. So I think people are just curious to see him come stateside and see what happens. We've seen guys do well in DSL, like Jose Rodriguez. And then it translates over. We've seen others, Benjamin Bailey among them, you know, Mm -hmm. and even, like another guy, you know, like Arnold Prado and some other guys we might mention that have kind of come over and not done much. So who knows? But, you know, 10, 10 home runs with, you know, a 13% walk rate, 
I think is is pretty significant for a guy that had some sleeper hype like coming into the season. Well, you talked about Buzz. Uh, I remember you telling me about Ryan Burrows and the interest that scouts had around the league, and he's among the infielders who will be participating in Instructs. So wanted to make mention of that. Ryan Galaney as well. Galaney is on tap to be posted on our platform. Uh, Elijah has an interview scheduled with Galaney, so that'll be cool uh, to look ahead. Jordan Sprinkle as well. Sprinkle athletically gifted as a defender. Really want to see him put bat to ball more often. Uh, and some of the outfielders, Drake Logan, Riku Nishida, Eddie Park, you mentioned Arnold Prado. George Wolkow is there for the fans out there. I know we're all really excited about George Wolkow, Caden Connor. Um, the infielders, Ryan Burrows, Edric Felix, Ryan Galaney, Mikey Kane, Jordan Sprinkle. So, uh, and the catchers, why not? Let's mention the catchers as well. Weston Eberly, Ronnie Hernandez, Luis Pineda, and Dominic Tamez. So those are your names. And uh, Instructs, I think, is just a wonderful... I, I love the idea of Instructs. You get these players together in a controlled environment, and you allow White Sox uh, personnel to evaluate them up close, and they're not at full season professional baseball where there's a schedule and it's obviously, you know, regimented. So I think... Um, it's just a nice laid back opportunity for these prospects to be evaluated in a fair uh, and otherwise controlled environment. So I'm always a a fan. Whenever Schaumburg in 2020 did the alternate site, I thought um, baseball needed to do more of it. And ever since then with instructs, I I felt like it's been a positive development in the way prospects get better at baseball. All right, let's move on to the draft. James, do you have any other thoughts? Otherwise, because we can get to the Arizona Fall League, and we also have to talk about the draft. So before the draft, let's let's talk a little bit more about the Arizona Fall League because we did mention Jake Eater. He did have an outing already. He's, he's pitching his second Arizona Fall League outing, the 10th, like we mentioned today if you're listening on the release. Um, but outside of that, position players, eh, not really jumping off the page yet, yeah. Uh, Brian Ramos smoked the ball in the gap. That was the highlight of the first week for White Sox position players. Uh, but carry on, James. Arizona Fall League action. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's week uh, week two coming of the the Arizona Fall League. Jake Eater scheduled to pitch. You know, obviously, I think he. I saw that he like made the Baseball America hot list. For, for the first week, like in, in the fall league or BA's hot sheet, essentially. So, you know, that's interesting. I know he only, he looked pretty good. He only threw three innings, I believe. But, you know, I think that's okay for, for like a first outing. One of the interesting things about Eater was like with all the hype that he got, like he showed up to Birmingham and he kind of really struggled. And then the White Sox had kind of, you know, said that he was, you know, they were making some changes to him and he was trying to get his body in line. So he did, he had three strikeouts and three walks and three innings pitched in his, in his first appearance. Baseball America said that, you know, they just kind of went over the trade that he was the cost for the Marlins, you know, to get Jake Berger, um, the Vanderbilt bread lefty returned to the mound after having Tommy John surgery in 21. He was one of the biggest revelations in the minor leagues and was dominating double a in his first pro season. So hopefully he can continue on just like with, with some of the success and we can get something good out of the, the Arizona fall league here. And then you mentioned the position players had struggled. The other guy that's interesting, Jordan leisure fireballing uh, reliever who the white Sox got from the Dodgers in the Lance Lynn trade. I, I think we see him 
absolutely in 2024 in Chicago. So, you know, you can you can keep following along with the Arizona Fall League. There is a, a feed that you can find where you can like watch some of the games online and hopefully Brian Ramos and, and Colson Montgomery pick it up a little bit and, and start playing pretty well. But they're in the Glendale Desert Dogs lineup pretty much every day along with Jacob Burke. Yeah, Jacob Burke is a a lot of fun to watch patrolling the outfield. He's made already a play or two in center. Brian Ramos typically at third base, Montgomery playing shortstop. Uh, just to round out the Arizona Fall League list, reliever Addison Coffey, great story. Uh, right-handed pitcher Yosimar Cuisine, remember he was a late-season international signing, advanced in age. This is somebody that the White Sox are going to aggressively push, but he's struggled so far. The aforementioned Eater, uh, Frazier Ellard, already through a couple of outings, left-handed reliever. He's older as well. Uh, and of course, like James mentioned, Jordan Leisure. So those are your White Sox participants in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, I encourage you to also read Trending on the Farm this week as our guy Sleepy Harold, a.k.a. Steve Hasman, uh, put together a recap of White Sox performance. So if you want that uh, in print, go to futuresox.com and check it out. It gives you the information as well as what James mentioned earlier, the Dominican Summer League review of 2023 is up so if you want more information about the young prospects make sure that you're reading on futuresocks.com we have all the affiliate reviews as well i encourage you to also subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing okay we have more to come as the chicago white Sox officially are officially selecting fourth in the draft james however that's only rounds two through 20 because there's a draft lottery and the White Sox are qualified potentially to get the first pick. So that's that. I know you wanted to talk about the significance of the fourth pick uh, in rounds two through 20, but also what the draft lottery could mean for the White Sox status in the first round. Yeah. So they've, I mean, they finished with the fourth worst record in baseball somehow, even though it was a God awful season where they lost 101 games, there were three teams worse than them. Um, so essentially it just, it just means that, you know, they have like 13.5% chance at the number one pick so, you know, with the three teams in front of them all have a 16.5% chance, who knows, they could pick anywhere, like, essentially, like, 10 is the lowest that they could pick, because, so, Major League Baseball takes, I think it's, what, all 18 of the non-playoff teams, they have a lottery, 18 through 1, um, and they draw, you know, they draw the top six, and then after that, it goes by record, so, we won't find out the White Sox first pick. Um, until day two of the winter meetings, I believe, but they will pick fourth overall in rounds two through 20. So, you know, there's, there's some certainty on that front. One interesting note is like the White Sox as a large market club, they're, they're not able to pick in the top 10 two years in a row. Like if they pick top six, the first, it's very strange. So Essentially, if the White Sox pick in the top six in 2024, so in this lottery, they the highest they can pick in 2025 is pick 11, which is weird. But if they happen to fall out of that top six range and pick seventh, they can pick wherever in 2025. So, like I've seen it mentioned, like this isn't that great of a draft class. I've seen some people wonder whether they'd be better off picking like seventh, so then they'd still be in line for the number one pick potentially in 2025 when the next of Matt Holiday's kids is available. I just, I, you know, I, I think that's 
a little bit crazy. Like if they can get the number one pick, like that, that would be, that would be fine. I think, you know, I think you want to pick as high as possible in a lost season. You don't know for sure that the draft class isn't going to be that great. It's just very college heavy at the top. And it's like a lot of second baseman and some first baseman and stuff, which, which isn't great, but we have a lot of time to talk about that. Um, I just, you know, the, the other thing that I will complain about, like, as, as we keep doing these shows is just the fact that they make, make us wait till the second night of the winter meetings for the draft lottery. It just seems like, you know, the, the, there could be any number of evenings in October or November when there's like nothing going on where they could have this thing and like get some, you know, some eyes to their event. And look, it's just like a half hour or whatever, and there's no players pick, but I don't know. It, it just seems like not finding out where the first round pick is until early December kind of doesn't really make any sense. And I had the same complaints last year and the White Sox really didn't have any chance at picking like in the top five. So it's just, you know, another, another Rob Manfred thing that doesn't really make that much sense to me. That's James Fox. He covers the draft very heavily, not only uh, during draft season, but throughout the year, as well as uh, one of the few who really does pay attention to the international market across Major League Baseball and specifically with the Chicago White Sox. We are very thankful to have him on futuresox.com. You can follow him at JamesFox917. I'm at Rankin906. Follow us on Twitter at FutureSox and email us futuresocks at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, you want to let us know uh, about a thought that you know you want to hear our thoughts on, give us some topics. We'll talk about them on the podcast, answer your questions as well. We really appreciate your time. Uh, if you could consider supporting us on Patreon, that's where we you know, make our money. <laughs> if you could consider supporting us on Patreon, it really does help us out. So thank you for your support and the dedicated listenership. We value you every single day. So we have three episodes a week here on the Future Sox podcast. This one releases on Tuesdays with myself and James Fox. So look forward to those every Tuesday. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week.